welcome to the Becoming Witchy podcast. I'm your host, Kelly of Bramble and Brimstone. Join me as we discuss practical witchcraft, share witchy tips, aha moments, tools, and resources that have helped us on our way, and as we discuss how magic shows up in our everyday. This podcast is here to encourage and support you on your own witchy way. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Becoming Witchy podcast. I'm your host, Kelly of Bramble and Brimstone. Thank you so much for being here today and tuning in. This episode is going to be part two of Magical Ingredients. We're going to raid my apothecary cabinet and just sort of like last week, go through what's in there, why it's in there, and what I do with it. So hopefully you'll get some uh, helpful information about what herbs I use, why I use them, what their magical properties are, and what some of their medicinal properties might be. But before we get into all of that, we will check in on our seasonal corner and reflect on last episode's card draw. Welcome to the seasonal corner. This is the first episode releasing after the spring equinox, so it this will release on March 31st, and it's spring now, you guys. It's spring, officially, even though it may be snowing where you are and where I am. But we're going to look past that because it's basically April now, and spring is well on its way. I hope everyone had a wonderful spring equinox and you, that you were able to celebrate. So... For the past two weeks now, we have been working in the garden nonstop, pretty much, even though it's been snowing. We've had a few nice days, so we've been laying out and defining some pathways in our gardens, doing some tree pruning, planting pansies, um, harvesting carrots, and the carrots that we're harvesting actually were planted last fall and made it through the winter and yeah they're still good ready to go most delicious carrots so that's what we've been doing in the garden it's it's well on its way we have our grape hyacinths coming up everywhere which is are so nice and the trees are starting to bud all of the trees around here just barely, it's like you can just see that the trees are starting to get a little bit fuller. And it's really exciting because once they burst out into green, uh, it just feels so much better having green around you. So I hope your spring is also well on its way. Last week, we drew the Page of Pentacles. I interpreted this as new opportunities and creating new things. So for me, this uh, past two weeks, I was able to go to the National Council on Education for Ceramic Arts Annual Conference, or NSICA. This was my first time going to it as an in-person conference, and it was so amazing. Ceramics people are the absolute best. They're so nice and encouraging and willing to share advice and tips and critiques. There were amazing demos, excellent talks, lots of pop-up ceramic shows around the city. 
it was just so inspirational to be around and to see so many ceramic artists and just interact with all of them. It was just so inviting and it really relit this fire within me to start creating. I was able to donate a mug that I'd made to their annual mug exhibition and sale, which raises money for scholarships and artist opportunities and educational outreach. And artists from all over the country donate their mugs. Even if they can't go to the conference, they mail them in. And this year, the sale raised over $52,000, which is insane. A bunch of mugs donated from artists all over the country. And it was just so cool to see all of the mugs walk around, hold them all, look at them all, see what everyone else is creating. And I got two mugs, and I even met one of my mug makers while I was waiting in line to purchase it, which was really cool. And this was that the whole experience was it was like a three day event, it was just an amazing Page of Pentacles moment. It was this creative opportunity that I was so grateful to have. It was so grounding and just wonderful. So I hope you also had a Page of Pentacles opportunity that relit your fires. So before we raid my uh, apothecary cabinet, I just wanted to give you some resources, ones that I sort of commonly use for getting to know herbs, understanding them, learning about them. So the Elder Hour podcast by author Juliet Diaz and Chelsea Selby, who is the founder of Witch Baby Soap. That's a really great podcast with tons of information. Each episode, they cover a different plant. It's really interesting. They go over lore and use like medicinal uses and history. So that's a really good one. Also, Green Witchcraft, a book by Paige Vanderbeck, and she has a podcast, The Fat Feminist Witch. The Master Book of Herbalism by Paul Beryl, I think, B-E-Y-E-R-L. I love it. It has so much information. It has um, lore and planetary associations, medicinal uses, magical usage, uh, dosage. It's just a really great resource, and it's one I just sort of open up and refer to time and time again. It doesn't have everything in it, but there is quite a bit in it, um, and it's very useful. Also, Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs is another really good one that acts as another reference. And Robin Rose Bennett, who is a green witch and herbalist, she is a really great resource. You can find her. I follow her on Instagram, and I also have some of her books, which are really great. But she's another person to look to for um, information about herbs. She also teaches classes. And one more book, The Secrets from an Herbalist's Garden, A Magical Year of Plant Remedies by Joe Dunbar. It organizes by seasons and it's really fun, gives you different things you can make at different times of the year. 
based on what's available in your area. So those are all really good resources that I've used and still continue to use. There are, I mean, I've been reading about and learning about herbs for years now, so I've I've gathered information from a lot of other resources, um, resources on tincture making and on brewing and herbalism and the things that I'm going to be sharing come from a number of different sources. And I'll say just right now as a disclaimer that the information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, right? We'll go over um, some of the traditional medicinal uses of some of these herbs, but really you don't want to be taking any herbs without uh, consulting a medical practitioner and herbs are allies that can be used, but not a substitute for medical advice. I'm going to go over just a few of the common ways that I prepare the different herbs I'm going to be talking about. So I make a lot of teas, which are for either drinking or for washing with, and that's just pouring, usually boiling water over dried or fresh herbs. I make a lot of tinctures or alcohol infusions. This is a really great way to preserve um, your herbs for a long time. And I usually do this with fresh herbs that I collect from my garden. I put them in a mason jar and stuff as many of the leaves or flowers or whatever I'm using in the jar. And I pour alcohol so that it goes just above where the leaves are sitting. And you just leave the herbs and the alcohol to sit for a couple of weeks, keep it in the dark, shake it up every once in a while, and after a few weeks you can strain the herbs out and put it into a little dropper jar is what I usually do so that it's mixed up like a little uh, commercial bitters so that you just use a couple drops at a time. I also use perfume rollers that my husband got me for a Christmas present. And they all have different stones um, that make up the rollers. To use the herbs in these, I use usually sunflower oil or almond oil and either dried herbs, the essential oils of the herb, a hydrosol of the herb, and sometimes an herb-infused oil. And those can all be mixed up into these perfume rollers. I also make a lot of oils and salves. This is a, usually a combination of beeswax and an herb-infused oil. And then this can be used to mix into other things like perfume. I burn a lot of the dried herbs. I dry them and then burn them as an incense. I make poultices. Poultices are either chopped up or mashed up leaves, usually, of a plant or petals. Uh, mixed with just a little bit of water and you apply it to a bug bite or something like that and it draws out. It's usually astringent. So the last type of thing that I'll talk about that I make are infused vinegars and alcohols and I usually use vodka as the alcohol that I use to extract the properties from the herbs. Usually they're made up in a similar way to the tinctures where 
you add herbs to the vinegar or alcohol. I do it in different concentrations. I use less herbs to the vinegar and alcohol than I would use for tinctures. Vinegar is a really great base for a cleaning product and alcohol is also a really great base for a cleaning product. So I think I gave a recipe for a cleaning product that like an all-purpose cleaner that I use where I use an alcohol vodka base for it and you can infuse anything into that to make a really strong cleaning product. And at lower ratios, you know, mixed with something else, you can mix the infused vinegar to use as a salad dressing with oil or you can mix the alcohol with um, like sparkling water or a mixer to use in a cocktail. So lots of different uses for them. Now, I keep a lot of my collected herbs in a vintage spice cabinet that I found a few years ago. It's this little wooden cabinet that hangs on the wall. It has all of these little glass jars with stoppers. I love it so much. It, I think it's just beautiful, and I'll try to post a photo of it on our Instagram so you can see it. But really, for storage of herbs that you collect or buy... A glass container with a well-sealing lid is great, and it's also important to keep them somewhere dark so that they don't discolor and break down from sunlight. So having like a little cabinet or shelf you can put them on is really great. All right, let's get on to the herbs, finally. <laughs> okay, we're just going to grab a jar. And I know that I was on screen jars last time and it was really loud and clanking, so I'll try to be a little more careful this time, but it is helpful for me to remember all the associations to like open them and smell them. So there will be some of that still, but yeah, we're going to start with common mugwort. Mm, yes. Artemisia vulgaris. So we're starting with this one because it's sexy, right? Um, it's related to wormwood, which is used in absinthe, which everyone gets all excited about, but this is common mugwort and it's named after Artemis, the Greek goddess of the moon, wild animals, the hunt. And she's said to have lived on a mountain that was covered in mugwort. Its magical properties are protection, connection to the spirit realm. It aids in prophetic dreams and heightened intuition. Medicinally, it's been used uh, to ease menstrual cramps. And the plant does contain, oh my gosh, a cat, a cat just ran through here with like a toy attached to her. So yeah, a little commotion. Sorry if you heard that ruckus. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole huge cat deal commotion that's going on right now in this room, of course, during, right as soon as I record. Okay. So anyways, the mugwort common mugwort does contain i think it's called thujones and they're not safe to take regularly or in large quantities internally so you have to be really careful when taking it obviously you should talk to your doctor about taking any herbs or anything but it tastes super bitter i don't really use it internally other than as a really weak tea very infrequently um, but i do think that it does help with menstrual cramping i have used it for that before it's in a commercial tea that I buy, actually, for, like, 
I don't know, the tea's called like All About Eve or something. It's like a, you know, a women's tea. But I do think it's really helpful for that, but probably in very, very low quantities. So I use it mostly for its magical properties because I can confirm that it gives you some intense dreams. I usually use it in a bath. So you can make like a tea bag with it out of cotton or muslin or something and just put it in your bath water or you can even hang it from your shower in a tea bag on a string and it will sort of activate with the steam and it will work just as well. So you can also use it to wash crystals, amulets, tools that you might want to use for divination or to enhance your intuition. But I also like to use it just dried leaves, toasted on my tea light dry incense burner. We grow mugwort in our garden, and it's very floral smelling. It's a lovely plant, has these like delicate serrated leaves, and it grows similar to mint though, where it will spread like crazy. So we actually grow it in a really shady area of the garden to help control its spread and I usually get to the flowers before they go to seed to prevent it from self-seeding. But once you learn to recognize the plant and identify it, you will start to see it everywhere. It grows like a weed in most areas, and it grows in really bad soils and in really bad conditions. And you'll see it on the side of sidewalks and roads. It's very abundant and can very likely be foraged in your area. Okay, so the next plant we're going to talk about, maybe a less common plant, is uh, cotton lavender. And this is a plant that's native to the Mediterranean, and it has a beautiful smell, and it has these lovely small yellow flowers. I like to call it like a flower that's made up of a bunch of tiny little flowers, like when you look at it up close. And the leaves are really delicate. They look almost like lace. They're sort of a mix between lavender and thyme. And it smells absolutely amazing, this plant. It's possibly one of my favorite scents of all time. So aromatic. My husband and I, we saw this plant uh, while we were traveling in a city garden. And we took photos of it so we could identify it later and we found the seeds online and we started growing it at our house and in our garden after you know confirming that it's not an invasive species or anything it's actually kind of hard to grow um it's particular and likes it likes what it likes so it's not very easy to grow but it's often used as potpourri and as a natural insect repellent because of its really strong scent I like to use it as an incense and burn it, uh, just the dried leaves, like a dry loose leaf incense, because it just smells so, so good. It's almost like a lemony, resiny scent. It's really unique and really lovely, but I haven't found very many traditional meanings for this plant, um, so I've sort of made my own associations for it. I think it's really alluring and strong. You know, it has strength. It's overpowering. It will repel anything weaker or anything that you no longer need. And it will attract strength 
in admiration and healing. I see it as really a transformational and cleansing herb to take what's bad and turn it into something good. So cotton lavender, it's a wonderful plant and I highly recommend it. So the next plant that I'm going to talk about is rosemary. Uh, Most of my rosemary is in tincture form. I have it in a little dropper bottle. And I do have one bundle of rosemary that I like to burn. Rosemary, our rosemary plant, we had a really hard winter last year. It was really wet and our rosemary did not like it and it didn't survive. It was like a three-year-old rosemary plant. It was so big and wonderful and it didn't make it. It was very sad. But yeah, I, I've i made it into this tincture and I like to add a few drops of it just to a glass of water or to tea or to a cocktail. I love the taste, love the scent. Rosemary is ruled by the sun and the moon and also the elements of air and fire. Its magical properties are remembrance and wisdom cleansing and purifying and for me it's really good for memory and for focus so some of these properties are also medicinal right rosemary is known to be really great for memory there's studies that confirm that and it's stimulating to the mind but it's also in anti-inflammatory and it improves circulation Its association with memory and remembrance go back a really long time. Romans used to use it to burn over graves. It's one of my favorite herbs and has a really strong memory triggering effect on me. So a story that I have about rosemary, a kind of embarrassing experience. There is a bar, a cocktail bar near where we live that makes infused vodkas. And my husband and one of our friends were out and went there and the cocktail that I got there was a vodka that was infused with hibiscus and rosemary and I think maybe lemon and as soon as I got the drink it had like a sprig of rosemary in it also I smelled it and took a sip and I got this like overwhelming sense of and memory of my grandmother (laughs) And it was so bizarre, and I hadn't really thought, it was so unexpected, you know, like I'm not out at a bar thinking about my grandmother who's been dead for almost a decade, right? (laughs) But it had this, it triggered this nostalgia or this memory of her in me, and I actually started crying a little bit because I was so overwhelmed by this, like, powerful memory. And I couldn't figure out what it was about it, if it was the smell of it or what it was. But the bartender was really nice to me and told me that rosemary has this uh, memory triggering effect on a lot of people, that it reminds you of someone, someone who's passed. So it was, they were really comforting and supportive of me, you know, just like sort of breaking out into like a little cry in the middle of the bar and it wasn't the alcohol at that point it was early in the night yeah rosemary just has this really strong effect on me where it triggers these memories 
and it's a very powerful herb for me. I love it. I love rosemary tea. I like to use it for focusing my mind. It's really stimulating to my mind and gives me this clarity and this like grounding energy that can trigger these like emotional memories of things I haven't thought about in a long time. And I find it really helpful and soothing and it's just sort of nice to use. So yeah, highly recommend rosemary. You can grow as an indoor plant also and just on a windowsill or something. I highly recommend it. It's a great plant. So the next plant we'll talk about is chamomile. So the magical, most people are familiar with chamomile, right? We grow chamomile and the magical and medicinal properties I find to be like really the same for this plant. It's commonly used for relaxation, for sleep. It's very soothing and calming and grounding, right? You find it in a lot of sleepy time teas. I think of it as like the flower of it is so cute. It's like fairies would use chamomile to make you a little sleepy concoction that lures you into their dreamy magical realm, right? Yeah, you always have to think of the lore of the plant, right? By how it looks, how it smells, how it feels. It helps you tune into the magic of it. We grow chamomile. I collect and dry it. And my favorite thing to do with chamomile is I make this really intense tea. Uh, I usually use one to two tablespoons of herb to one cup of water, which usually when you're making a tea, you use one teaspoon of herb to one cup of water. So a really strong tea and I let after the tea soaks, I mix in some honey with it and then I chill it in the fridge for a little while. And I use that concoction in a cocktail. So the cocktail is the strong tea infusion mixed with scotch and elderflower liqueur. And this is a recipe that I got from the Herbal Academy, and I've sort of altered it to my taste. So I use less honey than their recipe calls for, and I use scotch instead of, I think it was bourbon that their recipe called for. I don't like bourbon, but I, I love scotch, and I find that scotch has a really nice earthy herbal flavor to it that goes really well with the floral sweetness of chamomile. I love making this cocktail in the summertime and I like to serve it in these tiny little green glasses that I inherited from my grandmother as like a little sipper and yeah I make it in the summer usually as like this calm soothing tea cocktail to ground and center and invite relaxation after a long week. Okay, the next herb that I have for you is plantain. Plantain is commonly known as a weed, and it's healing, it's strength-giving, it's expelling, it guards against evil forces. I use it a lot for skin ailments. It's really good for lots of skin problems, for acne, for wounds, burns, bug bites or stings. The leaves are astringent and anti-inflammatory. It's also really soothing. 
so it's best to use the fresh leaves and they can either be chewed up or mashed up and mixed with a little water to make a poultice and this is a really great plant to be able to identify if you're if you like to hike a lot because plantain grows in many many places it's a weed it's very common and once you know to how to identify it you can find it places so if you're out on a hike or out at a picnic and you get a bee sting or a mystery bug bite and it's itchy and uncomfortable you can literally pick a leaf of the plantain and chew it up and then put it onto your bug bite or bug sting and you'll get instant relief from that. I actually am like terribly allergic to this common bug that lives around um, my area and it's inevitable that every year I will get bit by this bug and have an extreme allergic reaction. And so I collect plantain and calendula and I put it into a bath. And because it's astringent, it draws out inflammation and um, really soothes the skin. So it's great for that. I love plantain. Magically, I think it works the same way. It draws out bad influences and it soothes and heals and uplifts in its place. So this year, I'm hoping to make an oil with it as a way to preserve the leaves through the winter and to be able to use it sort of longer term. So we're running out of time. I have so many more plants in my apothecary, but we'll do a part three probably to the magical ingredients and probably sometime in the summer when I'm harvesting plants and remaking all of my supplies. So the last plant I'm going to share with you on this episode is the toothache plant, which is a spilanthus. This is just a fun one. We found this in a seed catalog that we got, and it's so useful. It's related to daisies, and it has a cute little yellow button flower. If you chew the flowers, it has a numbing effect on your mouth, like an instant numbing effect, and it makes you start producing enormous amounts of saliva. It's a great party joke that I play at every party in the summer. If you come to my house and I offer you a plant to chew on, it's this one, and you will start just like drooling as soon as you bite into it. So beware, you've been warned. I've made this plant into a tincture, so mixed with alcohol, and I use it as a first aid remedy because it has this numbing effect, it's pain relieving, and it's a strong anti-inflammatory. So, uh, and that's why it's called the toothache plant because it's been used historically for toothaches because it has this, when, once you bite into it, it has this instant numbing effect. I like to put a few drops of this tincture on cuts if we get a cut. Um, also use it for any toothaches and it can be diluted with water to make a mouthwash with some like extra anti-inflammatory actions. So I love this one. It's really practical. I use it all the time and I love to grow it because it's, it's a great party plant. People love it. People love to bite into a mystery flower and like start drooling uncontrollably and have a completely numb mouth. It, it only lasts for a few seconds and it's just fun, right? Who doesn't love to do that? If you invite me to your house and you don't invite me to 
chew on some weird plant, I'll be disappointed. Okay, so toothache plant, wonderful plant. Love it. Welcome to the Rituals That Work segment. This ritual is also going to be going out in our April newsletter, so if you want to see it written down, you can sign up to get that. But it will also eventually be put up on the Bramble and Brimstone blog, so it'll be written down there too. This ritual is for setting intentions and nurturing them to grow strong. For this ritual, we are going to write down an intention on a piece of paper and plant them with a seed or a small plant. Some common house plants that are easy to take care of that are good for this are spider plant or Chinese money plant, or you could try growing an herb like mint or basil. So you'll need a pot for your plant, extra soil, seeds or a small plant, water, paper, and a pencil. First, set up a magical space, whatever that means to you. This could include taking several calming breaths, lighting a candle or incense, putting on some music, or anything else that just makes you feel connected to magic. Start by thinking about what you want to grow this spring and summer. Is there a project you've been wanting to start? A new hobby you keep meaning to try? Goals from New Year's that you want to reinvigorate? You can use tarot or oracle cards to help you set your intentions if you want. But once you have your intention, write it down on your paper and fold it up. Next, pour a little bit of dirt into the bottom of your pot. Place your intention paper on top of the soil. If you have a plant, place the plant into the soil and fill in with the extra soil as needed so that it's planted in there nice and firm. If you're planting a seed, plant it by following the instructions on the seed packet. Water your plant or seed and intentions. As you care for your plant and watch it grow over the coming weeks, remember to also tend to your intention so that it can grow as well. Welcome to the episode draw segment. I'm using a Smith Rider weight deck today, and I'm going to shuffle the cards and draw. The Knight of Pentacles. So last episode, we got the Page of Pentacles. So in the tarot journey, the Knight of Pentacles is the next step on that journey. So the page was the presentation of the opportunity. And the Knight of Pentacles is telling us to act on this opportunity. It's a card of action but in a grounded and a controlled manner. The Knight of Pentacles is steady in their action. Um, they put one foot in front of the other to have a firm foundation to take each step towards their opportunity, towards their goal. So this is an invitation to act, but 
reminder also not to run. It's not a race. It's a journey. So in the next two weeks, may you put one sturdy foot in front of the other to take action towards the opportunities that you've received. Have a great two weeks until I see you here next time. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Witchy podcast. Do you have questions on your Becoming Witchy journey or topics you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast? Send us an email at podcast at bramblebrimstone.com. If you're interested in our newsletter, head over to our show notes where you can find the Bramble and Brimstone Instagram where you can sign up. We would love for you to join our coven community. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please rate and review us. It helps others find the podcast and we so appreciate your support. The information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not meant as a substitute for medical advice.